are moving. Moving toward, moving away. We are moving with and moving without. And our unique journeys bring us to places that demand a decision from us. Places that will not allow us to remain on the same path or to travel the same journey. These are the places that define us and challenge us and give us the choice to walk in new directions that take endurance, faith, and courage. These are the moments filled with God. These are the invitations to become changed forever. Because for all people here and for every person alive, it all comes down to this. Welcome to Football Sunday 2016. Players, coaches, owners, I've worked a lifetime to compete on a stage like this. Each journey's been different, but they've all come to their own personal crossroads more than once. And for them, it all comes down to this. I'm at the site of Super Bowl 50, Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California. You're about to hear powerful and inspirational stories from NFL players. You'll get to know them not just as football players, but as regular people that have the same challenges and struggles as the rest of us. So buckle up and hold on, because friends, it all comes down to this. Thomas Davis is a linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, and he's playing in today's Super Bowl. Thomas went through something that just didn't make sense for an elite athlete to go through. It really tested his courage and his faith. I'm excited to share a story with you. This is Thomas Davis. For me, it was all about, God, why is this happening to me? In the off season, you know, I do a lot of work in the community. On an off day, I'm volunteering to help the kids out, encourage them to not be afraid to come in and get these screenings done. I get the screening done to get the kids excited, and then the doctor says, oh, you have a condition. Find out that I have an abnormal coronary artery. They say you find this out two ways by doing the procedure that I had done, or you find out through an autopsy after you've already passed. My heart dropped, you know, just fell into my stomach, and I'm not even thinking about football. I'm thinking about my husband having a heart condition. Come to find out, no one has ever come back from open-heart surgery to play the game. Let's pray about it. You know, maybe, maybe you won't have to have it. And there's like three doctors, they're telling us that's not an option. He's got to have open-heart surgery. We prayed about it, you know, ask God if there's a way to prevent me having to have surgery. So we send the test results to Emory. We send it to Cleveland. They came to the conclusion that if something was going to happen to me and I was going to pass, it would have already happened to me. You don't just go from one day to them setting up a surgery 
to two days later to, oh, you don't have to have surgery. I know that that was God. Best season of my NFL career. Halfway through the season, we're playing in New Orleans. Make one simple move, break to the right, and my knee goes out. Drew Brees is taking the Saints down the field. I got to figure out a way to get back in this game. But at this time, our trainers, they knew that it was ACL. It was one of the worst experiences ever. You know, going from, you know, playing extremely well, being at the highest level and, you know, to be humble just like that in one single play. Go on, have surgery. The knee has recovered well. I'm strong. I'm fast. First day back doing the linebacker drills and feel the same pain in my knee that I felt in New Orleans. And instantly I knew. I rehabbed that second knee injury. Come back two games into the season. They're making a drive. I go to make a tackle. One of our linemen doing his job ends up leg whooping me. It's the third ACL. It's torn again. Three ACL tears in three years. I didn't think that I would continue to be able to continue to play. In this game, guys don't get that opportunity. I had to be strong. The only way that I could do that was to talk to God, was to pray to God. And if he needed to cry on my shoulder, then that's what, let him cry, let him get it out. And once he got it out, it was no stopping him. <laughs> it was no stopping him. God strategically set all of that up for me to win the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, for me to be a light to them, for me to display everything that had gone on in my life for someone else to see. And whether it motivates one person or a thousand people, it's all been worth it, and I wouldn't change a single thing that has happened in my life. God knew that by this happening to me, I could motivate other people to continue to want to fight and want to push through the injuries or whatever they may face in life because it's, it's already been written. You just have to follow the process. Be willing to stick it out. You have to be obedient and you have to listen to God. I love that. Here's a story about a man who's at the crossroads of either quitting or moving forward. And maybe that's where you're at today. We all fall, right? Sometimes it's really hard. But what if the world needs you to get back up? And even though you'll have some scar tissue, what if you refuse to stay down? memory was uh, two years ago when we went to the Super Bowl in New York. It was almost like a movie, and um, you know, to know that I was uh, able to participate in that, it was a blessing. It's you know humbling to be a part of, and just you know, you, you realize how many people have never even you know gotten close to that, and, and it's just an honor to be there. It's awesome. This year, the Super Bowl falls on my birthday, and I'm from um, Louisiana. In the year that the Saints won the Super Bowl was on my birthday, so. 
feel like I had that, that good luck to actually be planting it on my birthday is pretty pretty great. It's been 11 years for me, and uh, this is my first time ever making the Super Bowl. So uh, the model of hard work pays off. Uh, it's, it's really big, and uh, just excited to play in this game. since I was about five or six and been playing it essentially my whole life and I love the team capacity of it the brotherhood um, the locker room things like that I think that's what makes uh, that's what makes this game really fun more than anything I'm just excited to be able to do it with this group of guys we have a great locker room we have a great group of uh, teammates a great group of men and it's just it's a pleasure to be able to enjoy that ride with, with this group of guys. Everybody dreamed of this moment as a kid and to just be here now. And, you know, even for, for me, you know, I got, I was here last year, then I signed with Tennessee and I got released and I came back here. So it's just been a blessing. I mean, it's everything you dream of, you know, as a kid. So uh, to be able to live up to it and finally get to that stage, you know, you just got to make sure we capture it because it's nothing if you don't capture it. As an ex-NFL quarterback, I understand and appreciate the journey to the Super Bowl. But all of us appreciate how hard it is to face the uncertainty of a big decision. We just want to be in control. Drew Brees is a future Hall of Fame quarterback that trusted Christ in the midst of the biggest professional decision of his life. This is a story. Sunday school, um, you enjoy hearing the, the, the Bible stories, and then you go uh, to, you know, the big the big sermon, the big church, and you sit there, and I'm just, you know, me and my brother just kind of hitting each other, just wondering when it's going to get over. <laughs> the second to last game of the season, third round of the playoffs, um, I was the starting quarterback. Um, I suffered a torn ACL in my knee. It was devastating devastating for me. Junior high school too, this was when you're supposed to get recruited and just all of these things. I had to wait to have surgery for a month because they had to let the MCL heal before they repaired the ACL and then I was still on crutches and it was just, I'd hit that point. I had seen friends have that injury and never come back quite the same. So what I thought was just going to be my life, sports, I felt like was being stripped away from me. And I remember sitting in church on my 17th birthday and sitting in that same pew where my brother and I used to just goof around and never pay attention. And for some reason that day, it was different. And I was locked in um, on the pastor as he was sitting there talking about how the Lord was looking for a few good men to carry on his kingdom, to spread his word, and to live the life that, that he had planned for them. And that spoke to me. And it was at that moment that I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and knew that there was something that was bigger planned for me than just sports. fifth season, going into an offseason in which I did not have a contract, I was going to be a free agent. I get hurt the very last game of the 2005 season with the San Diego Chargers. I've never dislocated anything in my life, but I knew exactly what happened. And I knew, too, that besides maybe like a broken neck or something, that that is the absolute worst injury that I could ever have asked for for a quarterback. As I'm walking off the field with my shoulder stuck like this because it was dislocated, 
I'm sitting there thinking, I'm probably never going to put on a Charger uniform again. And then it hits me that, you know what, I might not ever play football again. A few short months later, uh, my wife and I were taking a visit to uh, New Orleans, uh, who was six months post-Katrina, and we're just looking at the, the sheer devastation and just saying, I'm not going to trust what I see with my eyes here because my eyes are telling me not to come here. <laughs> and yet my heart, my soul, the Lord is telling me that this is our calling. Uh, it's not about just coming to play football and be a part of the resurgence of a, a football team or an organization, but it's about the resurrection and rebirth of a city, and we can be a part of that. score the Colts are driving we get the interception we go score now we're up 14 with three minutes left and yet you're still thinking I know Peyton Manning I know this this team in your mind you're going through all these scenarios of what you're gonna have to do still and then we get the ball back um, to basically take a knee to win the game and it wasn't until that moment that all right we are world champions We as, as people, we want to see and touch and feel in order for it to be real for us. And yet, 2 Corinthians 5-7, I'll tell you, you'll be led by faith and not by sight. You know, so much of life is that. It's, it's faith in God, knowing that He's got a plan. And at times you don't understand it, and you're not going to see it. Um, and yet, you just have to trust and you have to have faith. Walking by faith. It's easier said than done. But maybe God's calling you to something that's bigger than you, that has tons of risk and uncertainty. And maybe your heart's just pounding inside right now because you know God is asking you to put fear aside and take the next step. And maybe for you, it all comes down to this. I know Jesus to be um, personally my best friend, my father. Um, my provider, just pretty much everything I need. Just teaching me, walking me through how to trust him. I get down on my knees every every night and just thank him for this opportunity because cause it's a blessing. The, the main thing that he showed me so far throughout my life is just to come to him when I'm at my lowest moments. Never forget him and never lose sight of him. Jesus Christ has always been, you know, the center of my foundation of who I am. And so you give everything to him, and you and you trust in him knowing that, you know, he's a, a higher power. He can be a friend when you need a friend. He can be your father. He can be your mother. Whatever you, whatever you lack, he can be that supplement to your life. The biggest thing that he's kind of working on me is that uh, my identity is not in football. My identity is in, in God, and I'm in... I get to enjoy that sort of identity as uh, a child of God through the relationships with my teammates. Through it all, you know, I never lost faith. I never lost sight of what was important in life, and that's to continue to always follow Christ and um, keep Christ as the head of my household. God has been, you know, blessed me everywhere now. You know, it's, it's not just at home, it's on the field. God has been amazing and just blessed me. He has a plan, you know, and you got uh, to trust in his plan. I don't always understand his plan. You know, sometimes I, I, I'd like to, and I'd like to try to figure out where I'm going and what I'm doing. But again, he has the master plan, and you kind of got to have uh, faith.
Many of you know Trent Dilfer as a Super Bowl winning quarterback with the Baltimore Ravens and now football analyst with ESPN. But you don't know him as a dad and a husband. I want to introduce to you my friend Trent Dilfer. This is his story. In 2003, my son Trevin uh, was five and a half at the time. We were at Disneyland for a family vacation. And uh, we went down to Disneyland doing the Disneyland thing, and he gets a cold. You have four kids, your kids get sick. It's never fun, but you kind of develop a rhythm for when they're going to bounce back. And uh, he wasn't bouncing back. Uh, even on the ride home, you know, we couldn't cheer him up. He got real listless, real, like, had no energy, and his skin color was different. So we take him to the emergency room, and they weren't real worried. They did some blood work, and they, they gave him a bunch of fluids, and, you know, they said he was dehydrated, and, and maybe they were going to look at him overnight because there were some possible signs in the blood work of some hepatitis possibilities and but it was like one of those okay everything's fine i mean nobody was panicked so i was to go home and uh and be with the other three girls it's not i mean i'm not home for five minutes i get this call that hey uh, on the way to the hospital your son's heart stopped I run in, and, and the, the first thing I remember seeing is a team of doctors um, all hovering over my son and, you know, trying to resuscitate him. Shortly thereafter, Dr. Rush Sell said, oh, great news. We had one nurse that was able to keep his heart pumping enough for us to put this ECMO unit on him, which is a heart-lung bypass machine. Over the next, I want to say six to eight hours it became but he can't stay on this unit here he has to be transported all the medical transport units for this machine are in Iraq because we just started the war he can go to Stanford he can go to University of Michigan but we can't get him to either My great friend drove us in the Suburban behind the ambulance, and it was the worst two-and-a-half-hour drive in the history of the world because every bump you went over, we weren't sure if he made it. And now he's in ICU. He's on this heart-lung bypass machine. Uh, we set up what they called Camp Trevin, uh, at Lucille Packard, and with so many people that just loved us, they basically just stopped their lives. I mean, that's where I. So many people laid down their lives, um, in a sense, to love on us and to care for us in this time. And, and uh, he was on this machine for 40 days at Stanford. defining moments of my life is 
when we found out that we had to take Trevor off life support, we were staying in this little back room, these cots at Lucille Packard. We went back there, we prayed together, and she goes, can you leave me alone for a little bit? And I said, sure, and I walked out. I've never heard a, a, a scream of more pain than I heard from her. It was like through two walls into another room, and she was crying out to God. I was so amazed that she had the maturity to be willing to scream out to God. Terrific, and I, I'm not here to say it's not, but what's equally awesome is that we have a God that um, volunteered that for his son on our behalf. I mean, people say, why would you believe in this Jesus? Like, come on. And, and I, the cynics, and I, I get it. And I simply say, you have no idea. I've experienced a peace during the greatest time of loss any parent could ever have that is so real. I mean, truly, I feel like it washes over me at times. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, the gift of God's Son, Jesus, is always being offered to you. The deepest and most fulfilling life possible is waiting on the other side of that gift. And it all comes down to this. Well, it does all come down to this. You know, these player stories tell me that even super champions like the people we've seen are not superhuman. Even with all the fame and all the fans and all the money that they could ask for in the world, they have real problems, real fears, and real pain. Even they need the two things that I think every one of us needs today. The first is hope. It's been said that humans can live 40 days without food. We can live uh, four, four, 40 days without food, four days without water, four minutes without air, but we can't live more than four seconds without hope. In fact, hope is so essential for our lives that I think we look for it anywhere in the world that we might be able to find it. For some of us, it's our work. For others, it's our our houses, or maybe our spouses, or our status, or our looks, our talents. For some of us, it might be our friends. It might be our future. And I think if you're a parent, it's your kids. And to lose a child is probably one of the most horrible and hopeless feelings as a parent. I mean, the very reason that parents have children is to love them and care for them and go through the ups and downs of life with them. 
I have three kids myself, and I dream that they will not just outlive me, but they will outdo me. Losing a child is like losing hope. So to hear Trent Dilfer say that he has not only found peace, but that he still has hope, even after losing his only son, to me is a miracle. Can you say that today? That you have this unshakable, everlasting hope, no matter what. You know, the Bible tells a story of some friends that were so desperate to find hope for this friend who was literally paralyzed that they tear through a roof of a house. I mean, Jesus was nearby. The event, if you will, was sold out. I mean, crowds had filled this house to capacity. There was no way that they could get into the room. And so they got creative and they went up on this flat roof and they tore open the roof and they lowered their friend on a mat. And in that moment, I imagine like chunks of dirt falling on Jesus' head. He stops, he sees the faith of their friends, seeing their faith. He says, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, if I'm paralyzed, all I want to do is walk. I don't want to talk about forgiveness of sins. Kind of like Drew Brees, who said, when I dislocated my shoulder, all I wanted to be able to do was throw the ball again. Or Thomas Davis Sr., when he had a torn ACL, or three torn ACLs, he said, all I wanted to do was play that game again. And my cousin lost her five-year-old daughter. And she said, all I want is to be able to have one more day with her. What's this, my child, your sins are forgiven stuff? Well, I think that, that Jesus doesn't say, you're healed, get up and walk, because Jesus knows we need more than physical healing. He knows that we need to be forgiven so that we can be made whole again. Now, Jesus does later in the story, in Mark 2, you can read it if you want to, Jesus does heal him physically, but it's to prove that he can heal him spiritually. And so that everyone would know that Jesus has the authority to offer that. Because what we need even more than hope is forgiveness. See, in this epic story of life, it's not just the Christians actually that have this story. The Jews and even the Muslims believe this. But that God created the universe. This one true God created all that we see. And that he gave life to us. And sin got its start when humans thought we could find our satisfaction beyond God. And he made us good, but our lives became immediately filled with evil as well. But it's the Christians that say that God never changed in the midst of that. That God never stopped loving us, that he continued to pursue us, and over and over and over, he reached out to these human beings who moved further and further and further away from him. And so for God, it all came down to this. He would have been completely justified to leave us trapped in our sin and literally paralyzed without hope. But God, in Trent Dilford's words, volunteered his son. 
volunteered his son to bring us back into the relationship that he had created us to live in in the beginning of time, at the beginning of creation of the world. And he wanted to renew that with us and restore us back to him. And he knew the cost it would take. See, it's only in Christianity that says that God thought that human beings were worth his son. And so God sent Jesus not just to pay for that debt of sin and not just to pay for the sin of all time, but to renew literally everything and to bring us back into the way of Christ and into this relationship with him by sending his son to this cross. Not because God so hated the world that he killed his son, but God so loved the world that he offered his son. In fact, you might even see John 3.16 on a screen today. I had one friend who literally had never heard of the Bible, never been to church before, saw John 3.16 on the screen and asked his mom, Mom, what is that? And she goes, oh, that, that's in the Bible. Oh, really? Where? I don't know. We've got a Bible somewhere. That was the start of his relationship with God. And John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much that he gave his son, his one and only son, his first and best son, so that we not need to be destroyed, but so that we could be whole again, so that we could have this everlasting life, this eternal life, this life that would go beyond Super Bowls, that would go beyond even the challenges that we face in life, but would go to life eternal. See, the best news is that Jesus Christ didn't just take on our sin and didn't just take on the sin of the world. He died and rose again to renew everything in this life. You, me, all of creation. And to prove that he's the only one who can give us what we desperately need. Forgiveness and hope. I think the same is true today. Every day I think we're tempted to find satisfaction and stuff beyond God. We might find different things, but we all look beyond God for it. And what we experience is a spiritual death. It's a separation from him. We need his forgiveness. We need his hope. And so it all comes down to what we do with that. Will we be people that say, I want a hope that goes beyond Super Bowls and that goes beyond just the challenges that I face in life. And so I, I can admit that I don't have a perfect life, that I've never lived a perfect life, and that I need a Savior because I've sinned against God. Can I believe that God the Father so loved the world that he sent his Son to die and rise again so that he could renew all things and have this renewal happen in me that I might come close to him? And can I confess that Jesus is Lord, that I don't get to be in charge of my life, that I've got to yield my life to someone else and ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide my life every day? And some of you might even feel those words resonating inside of you. And if you do, might just be the Holy Spirit of God saying, I want a relationship with you. I love you. I want to lead and guide your life. I want to encourage you. I want to talk to you. I want to cheer you on. It'll be better than any game you've ever gone to. 
Others of you, maybe you've been to church before. Maybe you've even prayed before. But somewhere along the way, you got lost. Somewhere along the way, you got stuck. Maybe you're not too different than the guy that's being lowered from the mat. You're just stuck. But, but today, you're realizing you want it back. You want not just the hope back, but the joy of life back. And if that's you, then I would just encourage you to pray the same prayer that I'm going to pray. And not because the prayer is magical, because all we're doing in prayer is literally talking to this God that we believe can hear us, and this God that wants to hear us. And we're saying, this is what I believe. So would you pray with me, whether you want to pray silently, whether you want to pray out loud. If you want to agree with that in your head and your heart, it's this, holy God, I accept that I can't live a perfect life on my own, that I am a sinner and I need a savior. And I believe that you love me and that you sent your son Jesus not just to die for me, but to pay for all sin for all time and to restore all things back to the way that you created them to be. And I confess, Jesus, that you're Lord, and I ask for your Holy Spirit to lead and guide my life every moment of every day. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, there's a little card in your worship folder. It says Football Sunday. It looks a little smaller than the connection card. Would you just take that out for a second? Even if you're like, I don't know if I'm going to fill that out. Why do you want me to fill that out? We're not going to put you on any list. But if you give us your name and if you give us your contact, we do want to celebrate with you because we believe your life has been changed if you prayed that prayer, if you renewed yourself in the midst of where you're at right now and you said, well, I've kind of believed before, but I'm renewing this commitment to God. Your life is different after that moment. We believe that and we want to celebrate with you in that. And so you can write your name down and check the box that's most appropriate for you. And we will contact you really just to offer next steps to you of what it means to live this relationship with God. If you're saying, oh, I want to be baptized, we'll talk to you about what that means. And if you're like, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Or I might still have questions. We want to listen. We don't want to push anything on you. But we have found, many of us have found, that in Jesus, we have hope and forgiveness. And it lasts far beyond any pain, any challenge, anything in life or death. And it is good news. It's been cool hanging with you today. We really hope you've been encouraged by the stories you've heard. So may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Enjoy the rest of your day. It's Super Bowl Sunday. And it all comes down to this.